right now. All right, as soon as you see our thing pop up, just hit it. Go. All right, so we're actually going to start the show on YouTube with breaking news. The NBA's competition committee is considering penalizing flops with a technical foul free throw per Shams Sharania. Uh, it may get a test run at the Summer League in July. Ooh, so sounds to me like LeBron might actually be retiring. If he retires, that's for sure getting instituted, oh, right? Like, that's exactly what it is. If he comes back, they'll be like, eh, maybe one more year. Yeah, yep. That's exactly what yep. it is. Yep, we're going we're gonna to talk about LeBron a little bit later today, but. I suppose we're probably ready to introduce the show, Mike. Mike, I assume you're ready. And Gabe, are you ready back there too? Are you coherent and able to function? Yes, I'm totally functional and everything's working. <laughs> the confidence we have in the producer today is astounding. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. I am one half of your hosting duties, Nicholas Huffman. As always, joined by my faithful co-host, Mike Mensing, who is uh, about 48 hours away from his bachelor party. Are you hydrating and preparing appropriately? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I drank four beers at really last night. Really okay. softball, oh, so, so I am hydrating properly. Yeah, just like con- com- competitive hot dog eaters. Yeah, eat a few yeah. a few days before. Okay, right. just getting ready. Okay, why hey, don't you hey, walk? Uh, hold on a second. I, I hate to cut in here, but what do you mean bachelor party's coming in a couple of days? Whose bachelor party? Mike's bachelor party. No, that's impossible. I. I would think I would go to Mike's bachelor party. I see him every week. Like hey, I, I thought, spend more I, time. Okay. Let's, I mean, let's I see don't... here. What was the text specifically? The, the text said, uh, I'm sorry. It's hard for me to remember, Mike, because I'm in so much um, emotional pain. Save me, Mike. It's the least you can do after all the shit you've put me through with this wedding business. What you want? I got you McDonald's so we can put this behind <laughs> us. I thought it was behind us, Gabe. Well, it was. I thought it was behind us, Everything Gabe. before this is behind us. But it's this wedding. New shit. It's you wedding related. It so it, it should be also behind us. But this is new stuff. I wasn't prepared for this. Whatever, but it's related it to the wedding situation. Just anyone out there who uh, likes <laughs> Mike, just don't get too close, okay? Because there's only. Oh my pain gosh! At Do we need to it. start a GoFundMe for your there's emotional only trauma? Pain at the end of it, Jesus! All Jesus right, Christ. Uh, with that, it hurts so bad. We do have a big show for you guys today. Uh, We're going to be going through our Minnesota Sports Roundup, as always, talking about NBA playoffs. Uh, We do have a touch on Fight Corner with some stuff that Nick wants to get to. Uh, And then we're going to wrap up our MLB 30 under 30. We have a few guys that we omitted that we need to. I need need to make some. I need to amend the list because uh, I made I, I fucked up. Uh, and then, like always, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, Patreon, and Twitch. Uh, you can catch us post-show on MCN6 in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. If you are not in the Twin Cities area, you can still catch us on MCN6. You just have to use a Roku or some sort of streaming device to go through the MCN6 app. Let's get it started. Yeah, uh, the uh, we are officially 175 days away from NFL kickoff. That means teams reported to OTAs. And the Vikings have some news that are that is coming out of there uh, as well. The first thing that I wanted to touch on, I, I saw this morning. Did you see Christian Derrissaw kind of hint at uh, a toss of Ed Donatel's dead carcass under the bus? I saw that there was like an article about Derrissaw saying something about Donatel, but I was moving too fast this morning. I didn't get a chance to read it. Do you want to share? Yeah, so Christian Derrissaw was, uh, did a little... I guess, sideline interview with, I think it was James Harrison from Fansided uh, at OTAs yesterday, and they were talking about the progression of the offensive line and what he's seeing out of Brian Flores' defense. And the quote was, these looks, we weren't seeing these last year. There were times where we were getting into games and we were seeing a specific look on defense and we had never prepared for it. 
That to me is not a shade on Ed Donatel. That to me is a shade on Kevin O'Connell and scouting department not getting the offensive line ready for the looks that they're going to see on Sunday. Potentially, but when you're running, I'm sure they're getting all the looks when you run against the twos. But when you run against the ones, you're trying against one against ones. Usually, you're trying to do what your specific game plan is for the week. That's my understanding of how this comment was supposed to be said. Like, hey, when we were running against the ones last year, and it was you know them running their game plan versus us running our game plan. We weren't seeing exotic stuff. We were seeing we. There were certain looks that they that we were never going to see out of our ones, and that sure, hindered I, us I, at I, times last yeah, year. Uh, <laughs> I can amend that a little bit though, because he did say he said a specific thing about Donatello. Like he said, um, instead of seeing just one three four package and one four three package, like he he did put it right on Donatello's shoulder about a, that he it's limited looks. But yes, I see what you're saying about the offense has to tell them right i mean but to me this isn't breaking news he's not throwing donatel under the bus it's a it's it's not good it's not bad it's a fact that flores is more exotic and shows different things and donatel is more of a base look defense that's just a fact right so like to me it's yeah this defense is different okay like that that to me is not a scathing report on donatel everybody knew what donatel was yeah, I suppose that's true too. It's all—it's always interesting for me to hear, though. Like the, you're so loyal to your coaches when they're in the building. Oh yeah, and then the, the minute they leave, so Don tells the scapegoat this was, year. Zimmer was the one the year. Zimmer before. was the one before, and Flores will last a year and get a head coaching job, and it just might be him next year. Yeah, could be. Could be. be. Speaking of Brian, Brian Flores, let's talk about uh, the big comment that came out of his first presser, I guess, the other day at OTAs. Six week installment period for the exotic defense, obviously phasing some things in from base packages, then into variations, and then uh, real high. Praise for Brian Asamoa early in camp uh, as like the lead linebacker. Jordan Hicks isn't there right now, obviously missing uh, the non-mandatory part of OTAs. But how do you feel about the the length of the installation period? And then what do you think the ceiling for Os- Brian Asamoa is in a defense like this? I think any sort of program that you're doing with more than one person needs to cater to those people in some yeah, sort of way, right? Absolutely. So like our public school system is terrible because it says this is the way to do it. And you have to conform to that way, right? Yeah. So he's going to be trying to train Brian Asamoa, who is going into his, what, second year in the NFL, yep. third year in the NFL, the same way as Jordan Hicks, who's a 10-year vet. Yeah. That seems goofy to me. Uh, six weeks to put in a defense seems like a long time. It's a very complicated defense, but I get that. But, like, that's that's what I find concerning about it is that it's like a standardized scheme implementation, which like rookies aren't going to be as fast as veterans. Veterans are going to feel like this is probably too slow. Rookies are probably still going to be drowning. So like you're not really benefiting anybody by just doing it standardized like that. The Brian Asamoa comment, I'm not surprised at all, right? So like he came out of college as an extremely athletic yeah. inside linebacker that could cover sideline to sideline. He was the Eric Kendricks era parent. Yeah. It's good. It's 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 not surprising, but it is good to hear that he is on the path that he should be on. Yeah, what and I'll it, say. yeah, and it, it always seems that the Vikings have, in it, for the last couple of years, out of the young guys, they haven't drafted particularly well, but out of the young guys that they've had, had there's always a guy that you can almost identify day one of camp and go, okay, we can see the momentum for a breakout year on this guy. Well, now, the Vikings have, for the last 15 to 20 years, always had a top 15 middle linebacker. Yeah. Right? You go from Henderson to Kendricks to who's next, it's going to be either Osmo or 
Hicks filling in that role. And yeah. I I truly see either one of them getting 100 tackles and leading the defense. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So good things coming out of the, uh, out of the defense. Are we concerned at all about the guys that have not showed up for OTAs? That's the next thing I want to get to. At right now, absentees are Harrison Smith, which was a little odd to me because he took the pay cut to come in and play with Brian Flores' defense. So it's a little – do you find it odd that he's not there for the install? He's a 10-year vet that has ran – five different defenses i want to say okay he knows defense so yeah. like again it's not going to take as long to teach harrison smith as it's going to take to teach lewis scene fair enough right like the the mandatory otas next week uh-huh. is going to say a lot more okay if harrison smith is gone from that then that's a big red flag okay right fair enough same so, thing it goes so, for yeah. jordan hicks then i would and assume. daniel hunter and dalvin cook and jj okay well JJ- dalvin's a little different obviously because i don't foresee him being at mandatory OTAs next week I don't either I think he's done the team has pretty much said hey we're just looking for the right there's wait until June 1st is what it is why when you save so much money by dropping him beforehand if you trade him after June 1st actually is technically the situation that you save the most a trade after June 1 is like 11 million in in saved money gotcha and you can trade him for a sixth you don't have to get a ton of value back because you were going to release him anyway right but it's the cap Um, so that's what it is is technically a trade after June 1 is how you save the most money on the Dalvin Cook deal he will not be at mandatory OTAs next week yeah I would Uh, would agree Harrison will I would guess yep JJ will because I think they are working out the contract, but I think it's in good faith. I believe that is also true. And we're, I want to talk about the numbers on him. I finally sat down and did some cap stuff. Like, Let's know. get through the names really yeah, quick, yeah, and then yeah. let's circle back. Jordan Hicks, I think he'll be there. I do too. Uh, again, I think that's a veteran presence. He's been in the league for eight to ten years. Like he doesn't, He can stay at home and work out at his home gym and be fine. These rookies, these young guys need this. Yeah. No, right? It's so that. they can get up to speed. Daniil question mark right where whether or not he shows up to the mandatory portions of otas will show you exactly the type of culture that we have only heard about with kevin o'connell and quasi because if they can get daniel to show up and operate knowing that hey there might be a contract coming in good faith that would that tells me that there's a lot of players inside the locker room that believe that those things are going to get done right if he doesn't show up how we we have to start to gauge how tenuous or strenuous these negotiations have been up to this point, and it'll be a big. Di- it'll tell you a lot on how well they've handled that. Would you agree with that at the yeah. very least? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Uh, let's circle back to Jage's contract really quick, and then Gabe has a couple questions for us about the Vikings, and then we'll move on. All right. So I was looking. Uh, a, a a deal is going to get has to get done for JJ. Twenty three years old, guy's done nothing but set franchise records season over season and continue to better himself. And admittedly, the team has been in a better situation with him than without him. Right now, there are some inconsistent games that I know people are concerned about, but at twenty three years old, he's probably looking to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL. As of right now, here are the three big numbers that everybody wants their contract based around, right? Highest guaranteed right now for wide receivers belongs to A.J. Brown, who got $56 million of his $100 million guaranteed when he re-signed with the Eagles, okay? Highest average annual value, Tyreek Hill has $30 million. And highest uh, total value, non-guaranteed and incentives included, is Devontae Adams at one hundred and forty. So you're probably looking to get two of the three for JJ, probably not all three. And I think if you do, and I want your opinion on this, I, I looked at it, you do a six-year deal, 
get it done before camp with two void years on the back end, which would be eight years, which would take him to 31. You can go $56 million signing bonus, $155 million in, you know, whatever you choose for guaranteed. Yep. For contract value, which gives you 211 million over eight years. Surprisingly enough, keeping his cap number at an average of $26.11 million over eight years. Technically you have a ninth year. If you want to shift money into his rookie fifth year option this year and continue to spread load the cap hit thoughts on a deal like that. I want to make it very clear. Okay. <laughs> what my thoughts are on that. <clears throat> he is worth it. Yes. But in two years, we will not have a quarterback. True. <laughs> True. So, like, is he worth being one of the highest? Pay- like, that's what that is, that is what yeah. it is, right? Yeah. So, like, Justin Jefferson is electric and so fun to watch. And I love him as a Viking fan. And, yes, he is worth being the highest paid receiver in the NFL. We can't afford to do it because we won't have anybody throwing him the ball in two years. Who's it going to be? Do we believe that much in Jaron Hall? Not yet. Like, that's my worry, man, is if you have him around for eight years, taking in 26.1. Well, 26.1 would still make him like the fourth highest, only the fourth highest annual. On AAV, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, It's a lot of money to put into a receiver when you don't have an efficient quarterback. You need a quarterback to throw a receiver a ball. True. And a receiver needs a quarterback to throw him the ball. <clears throat> Would agree. Does having, If you don't have one, you don't have the other. But does having him around also versus getting rid of him because... Entice a free agent quarterback possibly? Uh, of course. Correct. So, like, there's definitely dominoes that could fall with having him here. It, it's a risk, man. It is... It, here's the here's also, what it would be, is if they re-sign him, mm-hmm. that's the risk on Quasey's entire job absolutely is if you can get a quarterback to throw him the ball Mm -hmm. you're good if you can't this team is paying a receiver way too much money and it doesn't even have a quarterback which comes with a little bit of smoke by the way so the the two fourths that we got back for zadarius smith right essentially moving up draft capital the first the very first thing that i heard when that came out is that is a look to begin to accumulate the type of draft capital that will be required to get into a Caleb Williams type range for this upcoming season. And if you can't get there, then you're looking at free agent quarterbacks, a potential one year extension for Kirk cousins. But there, from what I hear, it's to go up and get the the young quarterback that will grow up on, you know, with JJ, the best receiver in the league in his back pocket. I would absolutely love to live in the universe of the what ifs of Minnesota sports because in theory, by August, we have Shohei and by next year, we have Caleb Williams. So (laughs) can I live in that world? We're going to be good. Yeah, we're going to be fantastic. And Ant will sign a contract and Cat will be out of town and Joe Maurer will be in the Hall of Fame. All will be good with Mike. Mm, All right. With that, (laughs) let's talk about Cat. Carl Anthony Towns has been the target of a lot of speculation as of late um, around his leaving of minnesota through a trade deal right um so i think you have a few scenarios that we would kind of like to go through yeah there was a lot more um teams with interest so i went down to the local level of each market and i just was looking at all the different cat trade proposals because you like we said where there's smoke there's fire if there are reports coming out on something they're getting them from somewhere then they're not just materializing out of nothing and i do want to give a quick shout out actually to to 
a good friend of mine, Blake, who basically yeah. said he does endorse trading cat, but at the end of next year, um, basically pump his value up to trade him, knowing that you're going to sell, try to sell as high as possible. And his value isn't as high as possible right now. So I do respect that take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the team would just be better if we got rid of him now. I would agree with you. So, so here, here, I don't are think Blake's wrong. I just, yeah. Here, so we're going to do deal or no deal. Okay. Because I, I have deals on the table for you. I've got eight teams with reported trade packages for Carl Anthony Towns. And I just want you to give me your thoughts on them as we go through them. That sound fair? Yep. Fantastic. All right. The first one is actually going to be a team that is prepping for hopefully entering the NBA finals in the Miami Heat. Two to three first round picks and either Kyle Rowley, Kyle Lowry, or uh, I think it's Nokovic, a six six foot ten guard that doesn't get a whole lot of playing time on that roster right now. But three first round picks? Two or three first round picks and one player, mid-level player. No deal. No deal to Miami. Okay. Any particular reason as to why? I think Cat's better than Gobert. So, like, if you're going to look at the trade hall, I get that we're not going to get what we gave, but, like, you got to get as close as humanly possible. Okay. In theory, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. So, no deal for the Heat. Next would be the Charlotte Hornets. Two first-round picks, one of them to either be one of one of the two that they have this year, the fourth or the 27th, because they have both picks, and a upper-mid-level player like Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier. If they did the fourth this year and their first next year with, like, mm, they're both a little older, though. Gordon Hayward with injury history. Terry Rozier. I would have taken Gordon Hayward four years ago. Hello, Tim. Hi, Thanks Tim. for joining us, buddy. But I want to say no deal. No deal on that one. All right. The next one would be the Spurs. Cat, the first overall pick straight up. Well, deal. Yeah, obviously. But they would never do that. It'd be Cat and some of our picks or mm -hmm. players. Obviously, Cat for first overall pick straight up. Here's the thing that's crazy to me is like, I personally would do that as a Wolves fan. And as a Spurs fan, it's not that crazy because Wemby is a, his potential is nuts. Don't get it's me wrong. It's so high. But he is one injury away from being done. And if you look at the history of seven foot four athletes coming into the league, we listed great. seven of them off the top of our heads last week that yeah. didn't make it to year five. Yeah. So honestly, that might be a deal. Like yeah. as dumb as it sounds, cat for Wemby. Do we know that they have enough Kleenexes in that building? To well, it's super dry in San Antonio, yeah. so he'll be okay. They'll just they'll he, set him outside. He'll, he'll, on he'll cry and it'll just dry right off. Yeah. What well, about enough mental health professionals? I mean, it's a, it's a big load they're asking to take on. Yeah, it is. It like a good example of this. Everybody is is if you want a perfect image of who Carl Anthony Towns is in the middle of all this, he went on podcast with P the other day. I think I sent you and Gabe the link on this. And they ask him immediately about the Jimmy Butler situation. And Cat is the first player that has come out and said anything about that situation that is different from what everybody else has said about that, how that day went down. And there have been 50 different storylines on it in the last couple of months. Because Jimmy has finally opened up about it. Jeff Teague has told, told a story. Uh, there's some yeah, other... Jeff JJ Teague too, man. Damn. Yep. So there was a lot of people that, that have told the story for cat to come out and pretty much say, oh, I don't know a whole lot about it. And then spin some yarn that isn't accurate with what anybody else has said should tell you this. This guy is so situationally and emotionally unaware. It drives me a little crazy. OK, but the next one is going to be the Celtics. Now, this one is a little bit different deal because there's a little bit of pressure in 
Boston, I think, to blow this thing up if they can't get back to the finals this year, especially with the way that they've performed. Oh, they're not getting back. They're not getting back. Cat, Kyle Anderson, and two twos for Jalen Brown, Danilo Gallinari, and Patrick Pritchard. Why the fuck would they want a two two? <laughs> get Joe Maurer off I'll the screen now. Say it again. So it's Cat, Anderson, and two twos yep. for Jalen Brown, Danilo Gallinari, and Pritchard. Yep. I think. Jalen Brown would be a really good pairing with Anthony Edwards. That's probably the closest to a deal that I've come. Well, okay. I mean, the Spurs one is a deal. I'm still going to go no deal technically because I think you can get more value out of that Pritchard spot. Yep. I would agree with that. Get a pick over him. Yeah. Draft your own type. Draft your own player. Yep. Fair enough. All right. The Knicks are next. This one's got the most steam behind it. Okay. And it would be Julius Randle, Derek Rose, and three firsts, or Julius Randle, Derek Rose, and Obi Toppin. I'll take the three first and make it a deal. I, I would I would bite immediately on that. I think Julius Randle is the four that they think Cat can be yeah. physically, right? And then D. Rose, as a veteran point guard, him and Mike Conley would split the minutes 50-50, and you've got your you've got your vet, off, your vet centerpieces yeah. to run the offense. So I would agree with that. Chicago, their first-round pick this year in DeMar DeRozan for Cat. No. No. Not even with some of the clutch performances that DeRozan has put up over the last couple of years. But he's 33 now. Yeah, I was going to say 31. So, yeah, no. Okay, Warriors. Jordan Poole, Gary Payton. Oh, sorry. Jordan Poole and Gary Payton. Or Jordan Poole and two firsts. Gary Payton the second, by the way. Can I do Jordan Poole, Gary Payton the second, and (laughs) a first? And a first? I would love that. But I think that one's a very interesting scenario. That one's pretty close, too. I like Gary. If you could get both of those players, you've got your spot-up shooter for drive and kick with from Ant. Gary Payton II is a great defender, which we need, right? And then any type of draft capital on Dude, top I of that is icing on the cake. That is an extremely talented basketball player. But because of the way he plays the game at times, yeah. I think part of any trade that you do with him is just the addition by subtraction of getting him out of the locker. I would agree with you. So I would agree with you. Yeah. Last one from the Blazers. This is another one that would make the top three. It's got a lot of steam behind it. The number three pick, Anthony Simons and Yusef, Yusef Nurkic. I've, I've actually seen that one the most, and mm-hmm. I'm going to say deal on that, dude. I would they, I would pull the trigger there. I like Nurkic actually a lot. He's not an all-star, but he's a super stable player that, it he's seems like four. he's always playing. Yep. Right. He's yep. not missing fifty-two games a year. Correct. So and Anthony Simons is he's a sniper, man. Yep. He and then is, you get the number three overall pick, which turns into what Scotty Henderson at this point. Scoot, Scoot Henderson, Scooty, Scoot, Scoot. So all right, so we've got like three potential landing spots for Cat. Is this something you actually see happening? To be honest, if he goes anywhere, I think it's going to be Portland. Um, that's the one I've been seeing the most ab- about. I don't like you said. There's when there's smoke, there's fire. Cat will be leaving, maybe not this off season, but he will not be finishing his career with the Wolves. I can tell you that, especially with the Gobert thing that's going on. I think Blake said it when we were talking to him about it that like this starting five that we have only played what six or seven games together, and their yeah. efficiency rating was actually pretty high. It's just you had 82 shots to play together, yeah, and you only played together seven times. That's the story of that starting five For is sure. they couldn't stay healthy. So I don't know if you continuously just give them more and more shots to try to play together. <laughs> well, then, you Or be- if you just say, 
availability is the best ability, and word, I need somebody else. Word to the wise, don't become the Brooklyn Nets. That right. was the well, Brooklyn Nets problem. It's exactly what the Nets went through, right? So they did it for three years, basically. And with wasted three talent. years. Yeah, because they were supposed to be amazing together, but they never got together. So, right. yeah, um, that it's that's that, that's the gamble that the Wolves are facing yep. is – do you basically just say, no, we are a pretty good team? Because on paper, this is a good roster. Yeah. But can you stay healthy and actually hit the hard one? Nope. Uh, so with that, let's uh, transition over to Twins teaser. Yeah. Uh, California. How did our game go this week? Uh, two f- two and four over the road trip. So not as great as we would have liked. We stole the first game uh, from the Angels. Yeah, I said four and two, I know, for one of my points, right? Uh, no, that you had two uh, player statistical ones and you oh, got two points this week. I so did. So you. Let's go. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we got the first game from the Angels and the last game from the Giants. Um, we had the opportunity to take two more of those games in the middle of each of those series. Didn't Pagan the, give up a grand uh, Yep. Yep. And then Griffin Jacks continues his slow crawl through the month of May, which has been really tough to watch. Um, so, luckily enough, the rest of the division hasn't really caught us yeah, when well, you slip up like this. Um, but I'm pretty sure the entirety of the AL East is ahead of us. Yes. <laughs> Again. Yep. Again. Yep. So um, some some ground to make up for sure. Luckily enough, Carlos Correa does seem to be coming around over the last 15 games. He's hitting 286. I think he has 10 base hits, a homer, five doubles, and a couple of RBIs. So maybe he is truly just rounding into form as the weather gets warmer. Um, and then we've still got good pitching. So what are your thoughts on uh, the week that was and the week that is to come? I mean – you're sitting at 26 and 24, right? Yeah. You're a 500 ball club. Uh, I don't know, man. It's you have good bats and then you don't have good pitching. You have great pitching and you can't find your bats. Yep. All you got to do is put it together. And over 162 game season, there's going to be a lot of games that you don't put it together. Yeah. Quite um, a few. Quite a few. Keep the morale up. You're playing decent baseball. You're not playing bad baseball. So no, just, you're not. Keep playing. Keep playing baseball. Um, we'll be there Saturday. That'll be a fun game. Yep, that's right. Um, if you see me and Mike walking around, feel free to buy this man a beer. It is his bachelor party. Oh, yep. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on got. what do you What are your thoughts on the upcoming series? Obviously, got the Blue Jays and the Astros. Kind of a playoff stretch. Yeah, looking right? stretch for the team uh, with some guys down too. So you're really going to get to see the depth. Uh, and the consistency of our pitching staff and our bullpen, that is for sure. It would be really fun to win three of them. Yeah, I would. Uh, like you said, this is playoff-type baseball, right? Yeah. We get the Blue Jays at home. Astros on the road? Yes. Is who's, that right? Correct. Who is uh, pitching for these? Uh, we don't Ryan know the projected starters. Okay. Joe Ryan will have a start. I think Sonny Gray will likely get two. Pablo Lopez will likely get two. Oh, okay. Um, so both of those guys, by the way, still – Playing their asses off. Joe Ryan picks up his seventh win and his whip is below one. And Sonny Gray has a 1.82 ERA, which is absurd. So literally all the bats need to do is wake up just a little bit. And either one of those guys taking the bump and you're winning two out of every five games, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So it looks like, so I just looked it up. Uh, Friday, it looks like, so there's no game today. Nope. So Friday the 26th. Blue Jays have Kevin Gossman on the mound. He's two and three with a three point one four ERA, but he is a pretty good starting pitcher. So yes, the, the stat line doesn't really tell the story there. Uh, and then we have Louis Varland starting for us, two and zero, four point one eight ERA. Louis Varland has been pretty good. Um, his performance out in uh, against the Angels was admirable. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the Blue Jays are a power right-handed lineup. Correct. 
with a righty on the mound that should be beneficial for Louie. Yeah. On Saturday, uh, we will see in person Chris Bassett take the mound for the Blue Jays, 5-3, 3 3.03 ERA versus Pablo Lopez, 2-3, 3 3.9 ERA. On Sunday, it'll be Jose Barrios starting against his former team. Four and four, 4.22 ERA. That argument is one and buried. Yep. Uh, and then Bailey Ober for the Twins, three and one, 2.55 ERA. Hey, and according to some people on TikTok, that's a guy you want to go see because he's better than Hunter Green. Bailey, Bailey Ober? Bailey. Oh, yeah. You should check our TikTok comments on our on our Hunter Green video. There's one very valiant individual that says Lewis and he says Louis Varland and Bailey Ober are better than Hunter Green. Royce Lewis and Bailey Ober have always been better than Hunter Green was the stance that he took. Hmm. This guy's got Hunter some Green red and blue tinted glasses. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, so that's pretty much what we got on the Twins. Let's continue to play our game moving forward this summer. So I have eight points. Do you remember what they were specifically? Yeah, you had Joe Ryan with more, seven or more strikeouts in his next start. He wound up with nine and against Joey. the Angels. Um, and then what was your other one? It was another. Oh, you said Buxton would add another home runner. Home run, right? and he has had two. It's oh, yeah. six games. So uh, the only one I got is that there still isn't anybody on the Minnesota Twins hitting over 250. That qualifies, by the way. How uh, does that qualify? It's mathematically impossible. The highest average is Byron Buxton. So if he went 18 for 18 in his next 18 at-bats, he couldn't statistically eclipse 250. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you would have to say like 240 to make it fair. I took, I took my life. Okay, well, I'm just going to be like, all right, no Twins batter is going to be batting 300 by the end of the week. Fuck you. Like, that's what that is, though. Like, he would have been at, I, if, I'm pretty sure if he would have went 18 for 18, he would have been at 250. No way. No way. Not this deep into the year. Whatever. All right, let's uh, go over the guesses for this week. Mike has honors since he is two points in the lead. What do you got, Mikey? So, unfortunately, the Twins have had pretty poor luck the last, like, eight games that I've been at. So, for my one prediction, my first prediction this week, the Twins will lose on Saturday. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and my second prediction, let's go... Larnick has 30 ribbies by the time we see you guys next time. Fair enough. Fair enough. I had I had two, and then I have a surprise, like, little bachelor party one for you here at the end of this. So oh, okay. All right, so Sonny Gray stays below a 2.00 ERA. Currently sitting at, like, one. Approved. Currently sitting at 1.82. And okay. then Joe Ryan's whip stays below 1.1 through the series as well. So continuance of dominant pitching out of those two. And then... My third one, my, my 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 fun one is Mike will drink more beers than the Twins will have base hits when we go to his bachelor party over the weekend. Oof. What's that be the game that they hit like get like seventeen runs or something? Oh, like oh, well, we're not playing. We're, we're not playing in the Cubs, so it's True. really not anything to worry about. Yeah. Hey, really quick pop quiz for you guys, just sure. from the dome. What is the best live baseball game you've ever been to? Like any memories of some that were really fun or anything? I've got I've got a great Cubs one, so isn't it? To be honest, we lost the game, but uh, first year Target Field was open. Um, we went to Game Two of the Wild Card Round against the Yankees. Super fun game to be at. 
Target Field was again brand new stadium. It was rocking. It was full. I think we lost four to one, but it was just super go, fun. Just going to Target Field when it opened up, and I'm old enough to remember Metrodome early in the days, and that was incredible. Like yeah. that's it was incredible. How about yeah. you? Uh, for me, it was David Ortiz after he had won the World Series in 2004. He returned to Minnesota, and I got to go see the game. I'm, I'm a big David Ortiz fan, and I think late in the eighth inning, he hit a home run that was. So high into the Metrodome roof, it hit inside one of the speakers where we used to pump in noise, like out in center field. Oh, and wow. I, and I was like, that was awesome. Gabe, you got one? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was at, uh, you guys might even remember this, even though it was a sort of meaningless game, but Carlos Zambrano was pitching against the Padres. It was a game that was kind of famous because Derek Lee charged the mound. And okay. there was like a a full, true bench-clearing brawl where guys are trying to smoke each other, you know? Yeah. But Zambrano had a no-hitter going through, like, I believe into the ninth. And then it got broke up with, like, one out. And there was a – we're drinking at Wrigley Field. I was annihilated. And then it was a hot day. And then there was a sun shower right after Zambrano gave up the hit where just, you know, that cool rain rolls through and everyone was standing up on the top. There were some women who were kind of topless. And then a man drinks (laughs) suntan oil. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, yeah, big, fat, like, alcoholic guy. And then the whole – Suntan oil. And that's all you need to know about Cubby fans. Really? Yep. It was yeah. amazing, though. It was such a fun day. All right. Well, I will see if I can catch Mike uh, over the weekend. Yep. I will not be drinking suntan oil. I'll buy. We'll nope. see. We'll see. I'm going to bring right. a bottle of suntan With oil. With that, just okay. in case. NBA playoffs. Yeah. Um, Denver makes quick work of L.A. Um, like, ridiculously quick work. Like, sweeps them right out of the building. And the Lakers really don't sound like they stand much of a – didn't even feel like they felt – Stood much of a fighting chance in this series. Do you want to try that again? Try it one more time. Just from the top. I really really don't want to. The Lakers didn't feel like they had a standing, studying. Yeah. The Lakers didn't have a shot. Yeah. It was was pretty bad. Jamal Murray and Jokic turned them into ragdolls pretty much the entire series. Like, that's the thing about that Denver lineup, though, is it's not just Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Yeah. They have... Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Man. Jr. They have Aaron. Aaron Gordon was a fucking. He was the one in Orlando for like five years. Let's not forget who Aaron Gordon is either. Yeah. Um. Like that is a good fucking team. And honestly, it's kind of nice to see the Nuggets sweep them because yeah. now the Timberwolves have their little moral victory for the for the playoff. You know, this year is yeah. We didn't get swept by the Western Conference finalists. Yeah, we we took a game off. We of did, we did better than the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my immediate question to you is, we're going to have to talk about LeBron. Why? We're going to have to talk about LeBron because now he is so desperate for attention that after 15 years of posturing, I'm sticking around to play with my kid. I'm sticking around to play with my kid. Stop asking me questions about retirement. I'm sticking around to play with my kid. Even when his kid wasn't ranked, now his kid is a year from away from being eligible for the NBA draft, and he gets swept out of the series, and he goes, Oh, when it comes to the future of basketball, I just, I don't know. We're, we got some things. We're, but then he turns around and says that he's better than 90 to 95% of the league still. So listen to me, LeBron. We have all caught on to your shit. We know that this is just your way to leverage yourself out of LA. So that way, wherever your kid lands to play, you can go as well. You're not anywhere near retirement and the games are not funny. I just really hope his kid the goes games like are not funny. Like the games that he's playing are not, it's not like, it's not hysterical. It's not, it's not yeah. noteworthy. It's not anything. It's I was just arguing, with, I was literally arguing with somebody yesterday that if LeBron 
is like, let's say he's still in Cleveland and has three rings. <clears throat> Hall of Famer. Great and guy. I'm, and I'm a huge fan of him. Yep. Like, he's, you know, I know this is not some breaking news here, but it's like, he is like pathologically addicted to attention. Oh, huh? it's so like, I mean, bad. To try to create this drama around yourself every year. You're already the most famous guy in the fucking world almost. Yeah. And you need to just make everything a th- <laughs> like a thing. Here's I'm going to do a t- Can you imagine just traveling back? <sighs> Notice no one did that special ever again. Like, yeah. you know, the next year there wasn't the next, you know, whatever big guy doing that. It's like, cause it was awful. Well, you know what Michael yeah. did when he came back out of retirement? He sent a fax. He sent a fax and it was two words. He didn't call a press conference. That's the difference. Cause real like guys that are really about like the love of the game and the pursuit of championships and greatness. They don't need the storyline. The storyline will come. Yeah, exactly. This just reminds me of a. I read a Sports Illustrated a long time ago when LeBron was probably third year in, though. Yeah. And the writer pointed out how he'd be walking with his posse in the casino and he would be air dribbling the ball and doing like fake moves and like, you know, and it's like, yeah, dude, we know you're LeBron James. Yeah. You're already the seven foot tall, like whatever, <laughs> with a posse around him. Yeah. yeah. But it's, yeah, the, I, that's crazy. I give him credit. Everybody's like, well, he's never made a mistake in his career. OK, I, true. Awesome. The guy has as, as a as a role model. These are the been, mistakes that he's made, though. But the mistakes that he's made are, th- are the ones that nobody wants to talk about, which are these, which is the fact that he has inflated his entire career by a storyline. Like, it's ridiculous. We're talking about how much better like LeBron might be than Michael. Guys, LeBron is four for ten in the NBA finals. and. It took him an additional six years of play to pass Michael in scoring because Michael ain't played for no 21 goddamn years. And like, you better believe that if Michael had the, the advancement f- of medical technology and the ability that LeBron has to put a million dollars into his body every year, that Michael would have played for 21 years. Yeah, like, can we be, like, let's be super honest. Okay. Like, Michael did everything that LeBron did Smoking, drinking, gambling, and not getting enough sleep in a shorter window of time. Yeah. How many stories have you seen just on like reels alone about Jordan playing like 36 holes before some little playoff game? Yeah. And like it it really does. Like I've heard honestly three or four of those. And it's like in their pivotal games and he dropped it on him. And it's like, wow, that's really impressive. Yeah. I, I, the argument that I will always go back to is kind of the hypothetical argument that can't be won, but it's LeBron doesn't play that game six if he's throwing up hours no, before. he doesn't. LeBron oh. doesn't come back the same after getting battered by the Pistons in the late 80s the way that Michael did. No, you Le- watched him like, fold up. All the things that Michael was able to do and conquer, yeah. I don't think LeBron could. And of course, it's a hypothetical argument. It's my opinion. You can tell me I'm wrong. But, but it's really going to be difficult for you to too. convince me that I'm wrong as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just can't put Shaq, LeBron, like those guys in the true great categories, even though they, they absolutely could be. Just because when you're such a physical freak, it, it How does talented are you? a little bit. Yeah, for me. You know, I mean, he, they're super talented, of course. But Jordan, like, he was really almost a regular sized guy. 6'6", six, six, 250? They say 6'6", six, six, but man. 6'5", 250? Yeah, I feel like he's 6'4", but yeah. 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 No, I so, agree with you. So that's the Western Conference Finals, so we'll follow the LeBron. And unfortunately, let's say this. 
the Nuggets are the team to talk about. It's not about LeBron. We had to do it because that's what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Because, yeah, LeBron is probably a top five player of all time. But the mm-hmm. story... Give the man a little bit of respect. The, the storyline here is how good this Denver Nuggets team is, and they're going to win the finals. Jokic I'll, 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 I'll tell you right now, I don't think it goes past five. It depends Maybe on who, six, but it's definitely not a seven-game series. My worry is, hey, have they been sitting for too long at no. this point? Because they're going to have nine days before they play their first NBA finals. Yeah, and they're game. giving their, their – you heard what they're doing, right? They're giving the entire organization, coaches, trainers, everybody, two days off. Oh, I like that. Like they, dude, they're they're the best team in the NBA. Yeah, like by far. I'm yeah. sorry, they're they're not worried. I wouldn't be worried. You have the number one seed in the East falling to the number eight seed, and I understand that the Heat aren't a true eight seed because of how poorly they started off the year. But talent wise, they're maybe a four or five seed. Yeah, and again, the Nuggets are the best team in the NBA. I don't see how the Heat even consider matching up against the Nuggets. Yeah, if 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 and yes, I'm not talking about the Celtics at all. Good for you for winning the game. Yeah, I that's that was going to be my point exactly. Don't like, let okay. us get one. You're not the Red Sox. It's not 2004. Sorry, that, that was the just, dumbest reference ever. Yeah. Um, listen, and my all Miami needs to do is just keep the mentality of okay. Who the fuck keep, cares? They keep won the one. foot on the throat, yeah. like. You saw how quickly that Celtics—they're all—they're all—they're a team full of cats at this point. They—they they break emotionally so quickly, so quickly. So like, I don't—I don't have any faith in them being able to go back to the Garden, win two, and then go into Miami for a game seven. No team has ever done it before. No team has ever done it before. It's not going to happen this year. I'm telling you right now. Jimmy Butler won't let it happen. I don't. I don't think it will. Happen. And good on Jimmy Butler for being who he is and getting them as far as they've got him. And he's going to be the only. See, like if LeBron does what Jimmy Butler is doing this year, every year, which he has the talent and capability of doing, yeah, it's much more impressive. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Uh, he will continue to dismantle the Celtics. I'm. I want to say the Celtics do win another game. But I'm going to say the Heat close them out in six. That's and then we're going to go Heat Nuggets finals preview. I got Nuggets in five. Ooh, I'm going to take Heat in seven. Oh, my God. Do you want to bet on that? Yes. Dollar? Yep. All right. Uh, let us know what you guys think about the NBA uh, finals preview, what is going to happen in the Eastern Conference finals, and let us know what you think about LeBron getting swept because yeah. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> bum. Uh, He's a that, bum. This is going to be a little bit more of a Nick and Gabe segment. We're going to pivot to Fight Corner. Yeah, uh, Gabe, a little bit of a robbery this weekend? No. Uh, Haney versus Loma took Oops, place. You're goddamn right. Sorry. sorry. Yeah, I was going to say controversial, dis- uh, unanimous decision, actually. Unanimously Gabe- shitty decision. <laughs> Is that what we want to call it? Unanimously oh, it shitty went, decision? It went to decision, huh? I didn't know that. And it fell unanimously one way, and everybody was like, what the fuck? Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Like Loma won the fight, but Haney at at worst it should have been a draw. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that, Didn't you both want Loma it... to win though? Yeah. So do you think that's bias at all? Yeah. Haney is the no, younger. No, 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 no. You wanted L- Loma to win. Yeah. So do you think you're biased at all no. by saying that it was a robbery? We'll, we'll put the clips up on the screen. Just and yeah. just know that every exchange that I put on screen, it was. 12 rounds of that. Okay. And fair enough. 
and like quite genuinely, I came away from it going, okay, Haney might be the better technical fighter eventually. Haney has, there's a lot of upside to his game. But Not Loma even. is the better was the better boxer on that given night. Like in every, I feel like he won each individual exchange. Almost. Are there any articles about the robbery or anything? Yeah, yeah. Here, I'm putting it up. I'm just kind of preening your head because you keep changing your altitude by about fucking six inches, and it's making me fucking nuts. <laughs> no, yeah. here I got it coming right. Gabe's up perfectionism is just like eating him alive sometimes in the back. Does. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it does. But the um, so Haney came out in the first what six rounds, Nick? Yeah. Like so, you know. He was marshalling the action from most. He was hitting with some super solid um, body blows. Yeah. Heavy fucking hooks to the body. And I was impressed by that. I didn't um, I didn't realize that Loma was susceptible to that, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like six in a row or something like that. Like, I mean, spread throughout the rounds. Yep. So but, thus far. Uh, okay. But this was all Loma. Like, he imposed his will. Let's say from the fourth round on. Yeah. And even like when he when he wasn't in the first. Oh, board, shit. Oh, shit. Yes. A lot of that was because that's his process to get there. Yeah. He's got to watch. He's got to like download them and, you know, do his thing. In the end, there's a point where like Haney like looks like he's you're looking into the eyes of a boy. Like he, he's, oh, yeah. he's out of ideas. He's he feels just, completely overwhelmed mm-hmm. and outmatched. And yeah. yeah. And he'll never be the technical fighter that Loma will be, but he's he is very good and he's very smart. But I mean, to me, that's what. If Loma wasn't that much smaller, Nick, he would have like, knocked him out. He would have knocked him any, out. Any any bigger in Loma would have yeah. knocked him out. I mean, Haney was a lot bigger than him tonight. I or that night, I thought so. It looked so. Here's how I describe the fight, Mike. Rounds one through six, you could argue that Haney won them by pointing up Loma. You could yeah. argue that. But from rounds seven through the end of the fight, well, through everything but the last couple of minutes of the last yeah. round, Loma bludgeoned Devin Haney. Like, so Devin I found Haney. an article. And was playing with him. Yeah. Like, I mean, truly yep. having his way. Lomachenko's manager said they plan to appeal the decision. Quote, the biggest robbery in the daylight. Haney's team got Christmas in summer. Igus mm-hmm. Klimas said. We're going to appeal this decision. Those judges, they do not understand how the boxers are working hard. I guarantee we're not going to let that go. We want to show there has to be justice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, Lomachenko left the arena crying. Yes, he did. And you know what? It was a manly cry. It was. And it was? I, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was fine. You know, whatever. Like it was more tears rolling down the face than crying. Yeah. Just you know, how, like saying? when you sob here and you run out of the studio, like... <laughs> How there's snot rolling. Yeah, oh, that's super childish cry. It's the opposite of that. Opposite of that. Okay. Yeah, one solitary tear rolling down his chiseled face. That's actually, yeah. I wish I could pull that off. I'll practice again today when I leave, but. (laughs) Lord knows you'll cry. Yeah, of course. Um, I have to leave you, Gabe. And this is is one of the things that I wanted to, like, whatever, bring up to Nick is, is as I was watching this, you know, it's not that I think. When I say a robbery, it's because it should have been Loma or a draw at worst. Oh, right? yeah, I would agree. It's I would not agree. like he just, I can see how a judge can sort of fuck this up. And I heard Max Kellerman said the, the best solution that I've ever heard. And I, I guess I didn't even hear his entire one, but he made the point that it's the point system in boxing. It's not even the judges yeah. that are so bad. It's the point system. Right. Because, yeah, they're going to miss some. So, but when you blow someone out 
it's 10-9. And when you barely touch them one more time, it's 10-9. Yeah, because the 10-8. doesn't tell the story. Yeah, because the 10-8 is almost impossible to give out unless you've right. got a knockdown. So if you put in some half points or, thir- you know, whatever, in yeah. there, just that can make a giant swing and, yeah. and get a lot. Yeah. I almost feel like, you know, I wish there was a way to widen the um, to widen the uh, parameters of what a draw really is. Yeah. You know, I'd like yeah. to see just a little bit more just because a draw just goes on to a rematch. Whereas Correct. contractually, these wins and losses can they matter uh, yeah. for rematch clauses and stuff like yes. that. No, I totally agree with so, you. Yeah, that, that's kind of my thing. Like that's and what sucked is that they knew what the fuck happened. Yep. And they immediately dismissed any like rematch with Loma. Like, nope. Nope, we're, yeah, we're not getting back in there with that with that with that guy because yeah. we're gonna lose. Right. So that makes it tough. Now, from one super fight to the other, we did get the official announcement of Bud Crawford versus Errol oh, Spencer. It's gonna be happening yes. happening July 29th. I'm not gonna get too we don't we'll cover it as we get closer. We've got a couple of boxing personalities here in the Twin Cities now that we could probably bring through uh, to talk about what is easily going to be the best fight since Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Floyd Mayweather. Hey, please. Can we live stream that? How about this? I'm going to throw this out on air production meeting. Okay. You can dismiss it if you want. We talk about it later. We could get the room upstairs, the big room, and they have a projector. So it'd be like watching it movie theater size. Sure. And we could live stream, you know, like we could just like do a live stream party kind of thing. Yeah. We could think about it. I, I think if that's it, something it, that we could do. That's going to be the biggest fight of, of the last decade we for sure a bunch of people there yeah absolutely That'd be cool um so i think that's really cool that they finally got that done um i was actually quite worried um yeah that the decision that happened because these this was another super fight right that poor judging was going to lead boxers who are trying to protect the o a little bit to go not if i'm not doing this if i can get robbed like right. that you know what i mean so i'm glad to see that the deal still yeah, got done off the back of this robbery as Gabe called it. Um, so that one we'll cover as we get a little bit closer. And then I wanted to break down this Francis, uh, Francis Ngannou, the predator PPL contract bullshit nightmare mess that he has created that ruffled just about every feather in the MMA industry as, as time went on. I was surprised by the amount of people that were like, yep, that's, that was 10 steps in the wrong direction. Really? Yes. That's what you took away from. Absolutely. Everybody that has ever now the fighters are all like, that's cool, good for Francis. I see support. What is it? So in essence, he signed uh, a deal where with PPL, where he's allowed to do one boxing fight, like one. He's going to move over and do across. What's, what's PPL? That's uh, it. Um, oh, what's the name? Gave him. I'm drawing a blank. It's Peter another. Paul's fighting league. <laughs> Interesting. No, it's um, Punch Pooh. I can't remember either. It's actually, like it's it's, it's like pro, a pro fighting league. I think. Yeah. Power Pro Fighting League or something like that. Um, I think it's just PFL. Is it PFL? Or is yeah. It P- oh, yeah, it is PFL, it is. Pro Fighting League. Uh, so it's no different than like Pride or Glory or Professional Fighters League. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So it's it's like a, a sub-brand, something that UFC does as well, right? Okay. What it's going to be is he gets to do one cross fight. So he'll or they're thinking the Tyson Fury thing or Deontay Wilder. He'll get himself a heavyweight. He gets equity in the company. Yep. He's the head of the... What, was, what did it just say? I just had it. Becomes the chairman of PFL Africa, an expansion initiative to produce events on the continent. Okay. Oh, I didn't hear that. It was uh, for Africa. Two to, th- but it's only a two to three fight deal, all to take place starting in 2024. Which means Francis will not have competed in in MMA action for over two years. After by the competing time competing in a boxing ring sometime this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I would say that he gambled his entire career and on getting it. that Tyson Fury fight. Yep. And it didn't happen. I, and it's yep. like, you know, there, that's that's a story that's going unreported too, is that it's like, is Tyson Fury um, having big problems? Because he is he walked away from the negotiating table from like three, four people. Yeah. After this um, most recent fight, someone asked, I just saw this, like a TMZ type thing, just ask him on the street uh, what he thought of the fight. Um, and he said, I didn't even see it. I didn't see it. I had 16 pints in the bar. Uh, and, I mean, and, that and has I been a problem him. for him in the past. Right. And so, it's, yeah, he's been flaky. Quote, by entering. So this is an article written by the New York Times, written by, where's the other name? Emmanuel Morgan. Okay. Quote, by entering the PFL, Francis Ngannou and Jake Paul, the social media influencer turned yep. boxer who signed a similar deal with the league in January, two of the biggest critics of how the UFC pays its athletes are now joining one of its biggest competitors. Fantastic. Here's what I here's so Dana had words to say about it based on what I know about the deal, which is not much. It makes no sense to me. You're gonna pay a guy not to fight for a oh, year sorry. and then pay him not to fight for a year, and it's already been like 18 months. He's fought three times in the last three years. He goes on to say, Francis doesn't want to be in there. Why are you paying a guy that doesn't want to be in the ring? Because now, it's name. I, it's, I, it's the same that Live Golf did, right? Totally get it. But there are certain guys, and you look at the NFL, and fighter pay is going to be negotiated very much like the, the NFL at some point where it's going to become the names that are worth it are going to lead the negotiations. Like if you get, like when you pay, a quarterback, a guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson flops on that deal. That's going to kill quarterback contracts moving forward. Yes, I agree with you. Francis has put all of the weight on himself. If he does not, if the pay-per-views don't do the numbers because he can't find opponents to fight him on PFL, if he doesn't get the fight in boxing to sell the way that he wants to, if the Africa thing off the back of all that because he doesn't have the financial support get off the ground the way that he should. He's hindered the contract negotiations of other fighters that would be deserving of contracts like this. I was, I was I, happy for him when he left the UFC. Like I thought it was a good move. Right. And I truly, I mean, I thought he was going to get the fury fight personally, but, um, but I got to say, I, I think he looks like such a dick now. Just missing yes. that. Yes. Because it's like you've wasted so much of your time. You he just he doesn't want to talk fight. about him boxing Deontay Wilder. It's like I I, I don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't but he's not that way. Like even in the UFC, Lesnar had way more mystique. Yeah. Like, like Francis, he, if he was gonna do this, I talked to you guys about this he months ago. Three more times. He needed to he needed to stay in the UFC. He needed to take the John Jones fight yep. and off the back Beat of the John him. Jones fight. If he would have won, he could have had anything yeah. he wanted. Yes. Then he's that level that he thinks. But he instead, what did he do? He ran from the challenge, bet on himself, and now he's going to tear down. He's going to literally do harm to the negotiating powers of the individuals that are going to follow him because he's being greedy. But he's also set up for the entirety of his life as a chairman of a professional fight league in his home continent right no, so like true. so here's my question whether or not you agree with the path that he took you have to agree that he personally is set up financially he's good sure he, he he took care of himself and he does have a suit and tie job when he can no longer fight in the octagon mm -hmm. which sounds like it's is closer it, than far away yeah true so i yeah i think very. here's my question and it's a tough question <laughs> because 
I agree with you on the fact of like Deshaun Watson's deal and how that pans out does lead to how they rework quarterback contracts in the future. I agree with you that Francis Ngannou may have affected the contract negotiations for fighters moving forward. Here's the question. Is that Deshaun Watson's responsibility or is that Francis Ngannou's responsibility? Are they to blame for that? Or are they just a domino? They're a human being, right? Correct. So like they're taking He's care the of themselves in that moment. Yes, they may be a domino, but you can't blame that man personally for it. His no. job is to get the biggest contract. Right, exactly. Right, right, right. That's so like, deal. yes, yeah. we are explaining this may have hurt <laughs> contracts moving forward, but it's not Francis Ngannou's fault. Sure, and sure. If he pulls it off. The only other issue I have with his... You see my... You see, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from, but I think what we're being blind to is the fact that he did all this to get paid when... The, and I'm going to be really honest with you. Disagree with however you want on how Dana pays his fighters for the fights. But when you do things Dana's way and you work inside the UFC machine, the opportunities that Dana then opens you up to, to set you up like an Israel Adesanya, a Conor McGregor, uh, like the goats that he has had in the sport where, I mean, Eagle FC is a partnership to the UFC. And that's something Khabib opened with Dana's blessing. No, I, he could have gotten all of that same money playing the game the right way, but now he wants to step out and be in his own lane. I get that. I totally understand it. It's it's very similar to my training business. If you're going to train with me, this is the way that you do it. Well, no, I actually want to train speed with this guy. That's fine, but you're not going to get the total package of what I could truly bring you, right? Sure. And that's and that's it is it just is what it is. The question I have off that is to me, who's more famous worldwide to you? Okay. Conor McGregor or Dana White? Conor McGregor. Yeah. So there is a point where you basically are superseding the guy who's supposed to be giving you the food, right? 100%. And like, that is what you laid out. You said, Hey, I'm coming to you, Dana, with an empty plate. Can I have some food on my plate, please, sir? I've done, I've done what I need to do. Well, Connor can go kill a goat and kill it. You know, he can get him, get his own food, whatever it is. Right. Francis thought he was at a point where he could go get his and, own food, but we knew he, he may wasn't. not be at that point. And you have a very strong opinion that yeah. he is not. He's not no, uh, he does no media. I think it's yet to be. It's how the PFL thing pans out. If he finds 10 great fighters from the continent of Africa and they're in the PFL and they all advance to the UFC, you, it's a yeah. long shot. Yeah. I'll, I will agree with you that it is a long shot. How about this? However, oh, it is sorry. possible. Go ahead, Gabe. Is it is it better for MMA in general? To like, you know, is is the monopoly actually good? Are we getting better fights? Is the of monopoly it? of the NFL actually good for the sport of football? Yes, I think it's the same question, right? Or is the XFL the USFL? So. It depends on if you're operating with self awareness. I'm going to draw the comparison that I will draw will be with WWE. WWE was the only product on television throughout the early 2000s up till recently when AEW came back. Sure. WWE was at its best originally when it had WCW or WWF or whatever. That it was competing against. That it was competing against. But then it became complacent. Now, Because if, it was a monopoly. Because it was a monopoly. Now, as long as you can avoid being complacent, which means that a lot of has to do with the man you have at the control, the controls, which is Dana White, who built this thing up to what it is, and the tentacles that you give it, yes, the monopoly can be good because as long as everything is actually a funnel, WWE stopped becoming a funnel. It stopped developing talent, displaying it, and then allowing it to circulate, right? Precisely. W UFC with tough, 
with the contender series, with all of the PIs that they're putting up in Mexico and all of these different places, their monopoly is developing a true funnel. So I think they're okay. The NFL doesn't have that. They don't have a G League. They don't have a minor league. They don't. So I could college football. Right. So here's here's another thing that I've personally experienced watching the UFC and like having been a bigger fan at times. Sure. American Idol season 44 is not as important to me as American Idol season one. Sure. Tough season one. Like who wins that is a lot more vital and important and probably noteworthy in the public eye Mm -hmm. versus tough 44. They're tough 31, well, Conor sure, McGregor and right? Michael Chandler will kick off this And week, they're the purposely way. bringing back Conor McGregor uh-huh. because they understand that the, the pool of fighters that they have underneath uh-huh. are not getting the same eyes that they were sure. 25 seasons ago, right? Yeah. So, like, that to me is what the UFC is truly struggling with is their fight. Like, you get excited about cards, and I totally respect it. Yeah, I have not been ex- super ecstatic about a UFC card since... God, Anderson Silva was on those cards type thing. Like, it's been a while since that big, huge name of that. Like, I don't know. I'm just not as impressed with the names coming through. And I think that's probably on the UFC for marketing those big names as they come through. They're going to, I mean, go ahead, Gabe. Can I give the right answer now? Sure. Um, Because I just, it hit me because I'm I'm able to concentrate right now really well for some reason. Mm. And uh it is because there's more parity in fighting than there is in like the NFL, for instance, when strike force. Do you think there's more parity in the UFC now than there was? N- well, I think there always is in fighting because of weight classes in okay. general. You're just going to have like athletic freak standouts. Don't get to just play, you know, smear the little kids like they do in other sports. Also, you don't need a team to develop as much. I mean, you do, but you also don't. It's more solitary. But the big thing is, is like people from Strike Force still come to the UFC yeah. and become champions. Yep. People like they do come from all over and still do it. So I think diversity of experience. We all know that Dana has favorites. Oh, yeah. He gets just like Vince McMahon. Like they buy into people and all of a sudden we got to watch like. Sugar Shane was going to get pushed to the moon. Now I I think I'm I'm eating crow and he's he's a good fighter. Thank you. Like a, like a truly really good fighter. It, but it's like we were going to see him for ten more fights, no matter. Regardless, what. yeah, yeah. And I don't know that you because know that's taking someone else's spot. At the same time, though, you have to balance that against even if that guy isn't who you think he is, the yeah, eyeballs yeah. that he draws in are going to be good for whoever else you put on that card around him. That, you know what I mean? So, like, you have to have that balance or you become PFL. And Hey, we've got great talent over here. Okay, where's the pizzazz that's drawn anybody in? And that's why why multiple leagues, I think, are good for fighting. It is because, first of all, I think the fighters can keep lower. It'll be good for everyone. Dana's going to have to compete more. Yeah. And it's you're going to see more short contracts where they can fight around anyway. I think so. We'll see. Or or Maybe. they're going to be forced to buy them up. And for PFL, that was a brilliant business move because now UFC will acquire them or something, and they'll make yeah make. A I bundle. think it was a brilliant business move by both PFL and Francis and God. If I'm being honest, I with think you. it was. I think you made a great for the individuals. Mike, for the individuals, yes. For, yeah. for the company, they're like, hey, we've got a name we haven't had. I agree with you there. And for, for Francis, Francis, he got, he's got paid. A, he's got a career for the rest of his life, and he probably doesn't give a shit about fighting. In like, we always assume everyone wants to be Muhammad Ali. So actually, that's something that I heard recently. Actually, thank you, Gabe. The amount of professional athletes that don't actually care about their sport yeah. 
is staggering. Oh, yeah. There was like a new article. I can't. Oh, God. They were so, talking about it on the radio the other day, too. An NBA guy just said that he believes 50% of the people care. Uh-huh. Can you imagine that? Like, we all assume that they all want to be. They're all Champions dying to be Kobe. Yeah. But uh-huh. no. Like, 50% of them show up with a lunch pail just doing their job, and then they go home. I've had multiple Vikings in this studio. One of them was uh, Trey Wayne. So, I, like, I don't mind saying this because he's out of the league now, and he was very open about it. I tried to ask him about Viking stuff. He looked so disgusted and annoyed. And like, you know, you try to ask like a follow-up, like, well, you think it, you know, going to be a good year or something. He'd be like, I don't know. like, like he truly was like, I like, I, I don't care. Like I'm just making <laughs> this money. And, and then he was all about hunting and it was fun to talk to him about hunting. Fair enough. But yeah, interesting. Fair enough. I just don't, but, but, us, but it you get an opportunity off, like that and then it's you just fucking yeah. waste it it's yeah. just terrible well with that let's uh transition to our <laughs> says three guys who would just love to be in the major leagues like, i i of course i'd give my pitch. left net to be a single a ball player to be honest like yeah. dude like no yeah sixty thousand dollars a year to play baseball sign me the I, fuck hey, up i loved yeah okay all right i, I actually didn't know they made that much they do not. I mean, I thought they're like. To be honest, actually, huge shout out to Zach Edwards. He's a quarterback that played at my college a couple years after me, who's now the starting quarterback for the Paris Musketeers of the EFL. And he backed you up. He was two years underneath me. Yeah. So he backed you up. Well, I started no, as a senior, and then when he was a junior, the next year he started. Mike, just go with it. He backed you up. Well, I mean, I had like offers to go to Germany and stuff at the time, but it was like three hundred dollars a week. Yeah, yeah, but that was just to join just the like, Nazis. Well, no, but <laughs> that was two fifty a week. Like um, MLB stuff. thirty under thirty. Uh, yeah, we got to get to some snubs, Mike. We we owe some apologies to some players. I feel like. Yeah. So you actually have a list of guys that definitely should have been on the list. <laughs> I have a list of four guys that I think considered. Like, if we consider them, Ooh. they may or may not have actually ended up on this list. All right. So and let's. Do you want to start second, with your four second, that definitely should have been up there? I mean, we'll 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 run through the list here. Once Gabe has the opportunity to get it up, it's on um, because obviously we wrapped everything up last week with Drew Jones, yep. and the nineteen-year-old who actually comes in at spot twenty-nine on the list, right? So you go, yeah, nineteen years old who winds up at spot twenty-nine. Oh, spot twenty-nine of thirty of thirty, and yeah. Jason Dominguez, the twenty, the twenty-year-old from the Yankees, becomes spot thirty, right? Zero time in the majors, multiple years of ML or has been in the, around the club for a long time right are we making some like apologies then so today? nick nick has a list of four apologies <laughs> yeah I, I do i have a list of four young guys that could have scraped like instead of dominguez or duran basically all right mike you want to run them down the list real quick yeah so our mlb is 30 whoa, under whoa whoa jeez little watch the volume <laughs> our mlb is 30 under 30 <laughs> All right, so our MLB's 30 under 30 uh, final list before we start making our apologies. Uh, number one, Shohei Otani, starting pitcher in DH. Bryce Harper is number two. Number three, Mookie Betts. Number four, Aaron Judge. Number five, Juan Soto. Number six, Julio, Julio Rodriguez, center fielder, uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, number seven, Francisco Lindor. Number eight, Ronald Acuna Jr. Number nine, Rafael Devers. Number 10, Jordan Alvarez. Number 11, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Number 12, Shane Baz. Number 13, Alex Bregman. Number 14, Fernando Tatis Jr. Number 15, Hunter Green. And the back half. Number 16, Ozzy Albies. Number 17, Bobby Witt Jr. Number 18, Alex Manoa. Number 19, Sandy Alacantara. 
Number 20, Xander Bogarts. Number 21, Bo Bichette. Number 22, Austin Riley. Number 23, Carlos Correa. Number 24, Juan Urias. Number 25, Tristan McKenzie. Number 26, Adley Rutschman. 27, Johan Duran. 28, Jordan Walker. 29, Drew Jones. And 30, Jason Dominguez. Let's never do a list this long again. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Got to be a more efficient way to do that. Yeah, (laughs) probably. No, even though I like this a lot, actually. But yeah. So, and here's the thing. So, yeah, I'll start with my three apologies to the likes of Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Who's a 30 for 30 guy at 30 years old that didn't make this list with the likes of Carlos Correa on it. I'm sorry. He's in our own division and I missed on that one. Well, that's because that's why we missed on him. Yeah. Uh, for him defense, for not playing though, for the Twins in the AL Central. Yeah, it's true. In your defense, though, we're all kind of waking up to how truly skilled that guy is. True. It's, it's yeah. Kind of crazy. Would agree. Next, Pete Alonso. The polar bear, the multi-time home run derby champion, the anchor in the New York Mets lineup, even though everybody else around him can't hit. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry that you didn't make the list with the likes of Jason Dominguez occupying spot 30. Oh, no. (laughs) To O'Neal Cruz. No. That's horrible. He had the top exit below and the top throw in the league. I'm aware. And he's only 24. And he's only 24. And he's a 6'8 shortstop, which we've never seen before. Um, you probably could have taken over for Johan Duran. You probably should have taken over for Johan Duran, which, by the way, would have left the Twins with zero players on the top 30 for 30, which music fitting for that comment as well. And then last but not least, Alejandro Kirk, the catcher from Blue Jays. the Blue Jays. I love that guy. Is um, The fact that he just dropped into the middle of like a World Series ready lineup and Nobody ready for it, and too. nobody was like, "Who's the weird guy hitting 120?" I'm sorry to the likes sorry. of the four of you that absolutely belong on this list. Oh, we didn't mean to. Oh, I'm I, sorry. And I'm to the to the likes of Jason Dominguez, Jordan Walker, Yoan Duran, and Carlos Correa. Get out of here! Get out! Just go away! Don't look back! Um, so I don't close. think we have to apologize to the guys who haven't seen the show yet. That's true. Fuck That's true. Him. Uh, fuck. fuck. All right. So oh, yeah. I have. <laughs> Devers looks 41 to me. I don't know. Who? Devers? Devers. Yeah. Devers. Devers. Raphael Devers. I, I would say Devers because of the track athlete, Gloria. De- I don't yeah. remember her name. So I have a few guys that are definitely on the younger side. Okay. Um, That I think if we like maybe did 35 under 30 could have made the list. Okay. They're like right there. CJ Abrams is number one. Okay. One on the on my list. Okay, calm okay. down. Okay. Like, what the Jeez. fuck are you talking about? Okay, uh, so baseball shortstop for the Nationals. Yeah, it was he part was of that Juan Soto trade. First overall, uh, first round pick. Um, yeah, he's only twenty two, right? He's batting two forty four right now. He's got five home runs thus far. He's twenty two, five tool player. So we have an autographed card of his that we've opened on the show. Uh, C.J. Abrams. Yep. No shit. God, you're lucky. Uh, my oh, second man. one is Nolan Gorman. Oh, I'm big on Nolan Gorman, man. Good, and I hate him. He's on the Cardinals. I know. Batting 296 this year, has beast. 13 home runs and 39 RBIs. Highly uh, touted coming in. Also too. a great glove uh, at second base. He's only 23. And apparently has a perfect penis. So All right. Good. Girl, so, I went to college with. Anyway, uh, number three on my list is Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, that's a good one. 
The left-handed Which, starting pitcher for the Nats is only 24. Uh, let's see his stats thus far. There's this another year. guy that was involved in that Juan Soto trade. Holds McClanahan. Uh, so far thus this year, he is three and three with a 3.88 ERA. Uh, his WHIP is 1.53. He's only 24. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, is Ober better than him though? Ooh. Bailey Ober is definitely better than he should be. I will say that. <laughs> How about? Uh, and then my last two, I kind of put together. They are teammates um, for the Atlanta Braves. Michael Harris the second, okay. and Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider. That was my biggest one. He's the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, Joe Ryan. Well, okay. Put it this way: if you but Spencer Strider is definitely up there as yeah, one of the is. best pitchers in baseball, and he's only twenty-four. He's right? Incredible. Watch his – he is incredible. By the end of this year, I wouldn't be surprised if we look at him over the likes of, like, a Tristan McKenzie or a Juan Urias. Or, Already do. You know what I mean? I I, I want to see him put it together he's... for an entire season is what I'm saying. Oh, sure. Like, show sure. me show but me you are stuff. an ace. Right now, I, like, I think he's good. He's better than Mark Pryor. And I got to, like, watch the Mark Pryor carry. Not Wood right thing. now, though. He's 4-2 and two yes, this I'm season. When, when he he's 4-2 this season. He's got a 2.97 ERA. His okay. whip is 1.04. His K's. K per 9. Uh, well, I don't have his K per 9 in front of me, but I it's can like do the math 15. quick. He's got 97 strikeouts in 57. <laughs> it's like 15 per 9. 15. Oh, uh, K's per walk, though. 4.6 K's per walk, which is fucking insane, too. Yeah. But, I mean, like, but here's the thing. Is, is that sustainable? That's that's all I want to yes, know. Like, that's right, why I. Here's I mean, what I'll say. So. And, and, and He's only played 43 games in his career. So when you have that high of a strikeout rate, once he plays 100, I, I is Nick's argument, right? So once he's played 100 games and has that much film out there, is his stuff still as nasty? And I, and I know what a full season looks like on Tristan McKenzie. I know he can get me. 190 innings. Spencer Strider is yet wins. to start like a full 33 game season. My point is that is the last year. only reason why I left. No, him it's not off his fault. Right. It's not but his it's fault. The only reason I left him out, left him off the list. So if we made the list next year, Nick is saying he would be on it. More than likely. Very, sure. Pretty high up. He should have been I would, on this year. I would but, as well. So those are my five like guys that I could have made an argument for those younger guys coming up. So we, me and Mike, what we will do is we will retreat back at the end of this week's show. We will drop some, drop some, and add some names via debate. We will post the official MLB, the final MLB thirty under thirty next week on social media. So that sounds good to everybody. I can't throw in a name or two here, real quick. Well, who you got? Throw in a name or two. I got well, Shane McClanahan. Okay, is he on there? Arguably the other best pitcher in baseball. Um, Shane McClanahan for the uh, Rays. Rays, yes, twenty six. He's he's eight and zero so far this year. One point nine seven ERA. He's insane. In his stuff. Right, are you looking? Okay, but he's 26, and is this the first year he's been in the league? No. no. No, no, but but he had injuries. Like, this is his first, like, real shot at him. 2022, he was 12 and 8, 2.54 ERA. 2021, 10 and 6, 3.43 ERA. So he's, like, and, vastly and improving year over year. Like, yeah, and he's been dealing with like, so issues. That he's if, so if he keeps that up for the remainder of this year, when we do this list next year, I have tangible evidence that he would be an arm worthy of being yes. on the list. But you also have to take into account when we do something like this, how many other 26-year-olds are on this list already? I thought Rafael we were doing Devers, about Jordan this year Alvarez. Already. No, 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 no. This okay. is body of work with, oh. to include things to come. 
This is why I was so passionate because I've been watching these guys all year and I'm like, these guys are so heads and shoulders above. But the other name I want to throw out that I think is a little, a little overlooked. I don't know his age, but I am assuming he's under 30. Randy Rosarena. Yeah, that's another name. I believe he's 27. I can't believe batting 305 so far this season this year, but go through all of his, like his, he's near the top in doubles, total bases. Um, 2022, he hit 263, had 89 ribbies. You have an autographed jersey. And then remember him as well. You do? Yep. Did you pull that out of a baseball card pack too? Smart ass. I did. Um, what? <laughs> and then, uh, and then also remember how he came on the scene in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. So it's like he's got some pedigree too, but yeah. I mean, I know he's coming on late. I know he's not. And that's the thing, right? I'm not like, fighting for that. He's one. 28. Is he really? Yeah. That and so it's tough to make. Yeah, the only guy. So compare him to Shohei. Yeah, compare him to Correa. Correa. Well, okay. How does J Rod feel? Right Jordan now? Alvarez. Just because he has such a small sample size, you know. Well, he's a home run derby champion. He is. He anchored that lineup and got them back into the playoffs for the first time in a long time last year. Oh, well, I think he's an awesome. We're talking about he's only twenty two. Yeah, right, and I think he's an awesome talent. I'm just saying that it's like that's why he sits fifth or crazy. sixth on the list. I, but I think that's too high, probably. If it, like if we're doing body of work, because as of right now, he's no, no, looking terrible. But it's not just body of work. We did body of work plus, plus potential things to come. Mm-hmm. Right? You would assume. I mean, they've got him for so like McClanahan years. is 26 and has only made 30 starts. Mike, tell them motherfucker what happens when you assume. You make an ass out of me and you. Oh really? Yeah, spell you know, it. I, you know, I actually thought you were going to say something else, but okay. You know yeah, what like me and that. you should do? Wrap the show. You do it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Glass yeah. Half Sports. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are on anybody else we may have left off the MLB 30 under 30 list. And why don't you head on down into the comment section and let us know what, uh, I guess, series you'd like us to do next. Football, baseball, basketball. We can do career reviews. We can do 30 under 30 lists. A little bit more stationary segment for me and Mike. We like to... Uh, debate some older sports stuff as well. Um, Make sure you tune in next week to get a recap on just how well Mike's bachelor party went, because I'm sure we'll have some stories and hopefully a couple of pictures. Uh, It'll be mostly of the back of Gabe's head because he's chauffeur service for the evening. But is my uh, girlfriend coming with you guys? Yeah, she is. I thought she had plans, (laughs) but uh, Mike, anything for the folks before we let them go this week to watch their sports, watch your sports, stay safe, take care. Have fun. Have fun. Fucking assholes. You seen? Hold on. <laughs> Here it comes. Hey, let's go. See?